Good morning and welcome to this episode of Skip the Snooze with Gathering Students, a podcast to help you connect your faith with your everyday lives and to fill the gap from Sunday to Sunday. We believe that faith is something that impacts all 168 hours of our weeks, and we want to be a place where you start your school days off on the right foot. I am Martin, your host. Today is January 20th, which means today we are celebrating Inauguration Day, obviously, but also National Penguin Appreciation Day and National Cheese Lovers Day on the obscure national holidays calendar. So with the inauguration today, uh, I know there are a lot of emotions, excitements, fears, but remember, Today, we are also meant to appreciate penguins. And if you are feeling a little anxious today, just slap some cheese on something to make it better because it is Cheese Lover's Day. This is a day for you. And if you can't eat cheese, I'm sorry, don't eat cheese. I don't want to be sued for liability. But <laughs> with that, I want to welcome uh, our special guest uh, today to the podcast, uh, Brian Hicks from uh, Harvest Hands CDC in Nashville. Brian, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks. We, uh, as a family, just watched Mr. Popper Penguins last night, so I guess we're ahead of the curve. There's no, yeah, just celebrating early. I get yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, you know, Brian, we, every, every week we ask uh, our guests two questions. One, uh, what is your favorite dessert? Oh, man. Golly, my wife just asked me this. I'm doing this kind of like uh, January detox thing, and so I haven't eaten anything sweet. I mean, I ate way too much of the holidays. Yeah. And so... I'm like, I really love peanut butter pie. So mm. it has to be like, you know, the right kind of peanut butter and everything. But I like peanut butter pie solid. Um, but man, we go on vacation. There's this place that has these maple bacon donuts that are pretty awesome too. So yeah. I, uh, is that, is that vacation into the cabin? Uh, no, no. Well, you know, we go, uh, they have some there, but down in the beach, we we'll go down there once a year and then they have this little donut hole place. I I like that a lot. We don't have uh, the quite the selection of crazy donuts in St. Louis, which is a real uh, a real bummer. But uh, Brian, so the second question that we ask everybody is, uh, you know, the name of the podcast is Skip the Snooze. The idea is you listen to it on the way to school, and uh, in the morning, are you someone who like hits the snooze six times and you know stumbles out of bed, or like your alarm hits and you're ready to go? Man, this is one of my guilt issues is, uh, uh, you know, I read all this stuff about Jesus waking up early and I'm like, <laughs> I go to bed like at 2.30 at night. Like my brain really fires at night and, and uh, it's kind of my time to think. And so that ultimately translates into uh, waking up later. Uh, so I'll schedule things early to force me to get up, you know. And so, um, yeah, so you're not going to hear me get up with the rooster, man. I'm, I'm snoozing if I can. I, I respect that entirely. and I'm very confident there are uh, students listening who can really sympathize with you going to bed at two o'clock uh, in the morning thing. Man, you know, you get watching Netflix and you just have to watch <laughs> another episode of Cobra Kai. <laughs> there's, there's no doubt. One, what's, what is the point of watching one episode when you can watch four? That's right. <laughs> uh, so, Brian, I'm glad you're here. Uh, you you're a pastor like in in front of your name you have like the reverend word you are the the reverend brian hicks which sounds very holy i imagine there should be like a halo above your name or something yeah sure Uh, but you you don't work in a church Uh, i mentioned in the intro you uh you don't just work for but you started this uh this organization called Harvest Hands in uh, in south nashville so just like share us a little bit about what Harvest Hands is what you do well, those of you who love Martin know that um, he's been around, but he actually did an internship with us. And uh, 
the late was it 20 probably 2008 2009 man you know, that's pretty good i think it's 2008 that's pretty good memory yeah so he was helping us run summer camps in the summer and uh so man you know thankful for martin's life and what he does uh we uh, i guess your question is what do we do is that kind of what yeah do do? yeah what's uh, uh what is harvest hands what are you guys about man man we do so much but um at the end of the day we're we're like a community development organization and we you know a neighborhood deal and um so i run a nonprofit. i'm an executive director of a nonprofit, and uh we started with you know a bunch of kids who just needed something to do after school right and so we started these after school programs and then we started doing what we call social enterprise we started a couple of businesses uh we're roasting coffee and making handmade soap and, and teaching kids job skills and those things have grown quite a bit and you know, now we run a coffee shop and we roast, you know, over $200,000 worth of coffee a year. And we're employing like 60 or 70 people and it's kind of grown. Uh, so my role has changed, but, you know, as a, I, even though I'm an executive director, I really do feel like uh, I'm a pastor. It's just most of my turn, my time and work isn't inside the walls of a church. You know, it's kind of uh, living in a neighborhood and being, walking alongside folks. We, we always say we're on a journey together for wholeness. And so, um, so we are really walking alongside of our, our neighbors. Uh, a lot of our work is you know, healthy living and education, spiritual formation, economic development. So you look at all the different things we do and they fall into one of those pieces. Each of them do. So just real quick, can, uh, if people are listening to this in St. Louis, you guys are in Nashville, but if people here love coffee or soap, and I don't know that everyone loves coffee, but everyone should love soap. Uh, I love people who like soap more than people who don't love soap. Uh, could they order it online from you guys? Yeah, you can order whatever product you want. You can sign up for a, a subscription uh, so that, you know, every month you get something from us. And uh, so it's all on there. Yeah, we'll make sure we uh, we drop that in the show notes. Uh, our house uh, has had uh, Humphrey's coffee. Even if I don't like coffee, Hannah has had a lot of Humphrey Street coffee. And then... Uh, <laughs> I, I love your soaps, but, uh, so to sh shift gears, like pretty 180 degrees, uh, Brian's, you know, today is the today's inauguration day, which every four years is a, is a pretty momentous, uh, event in, in our country. And, and yet like over the past couple of weeks, right. There's, uh, there's been a lot of disruptions and riots, fear, violence in DC. I mean, we're still seeing like national guards, people there uh, guarding the Capitol, which seems crazy. But even more than that, I've seen a number of places where people have tried to connect, uh, you know, Jesus to this movement and to these, these riots and the riots and this violence. And, you know, Jesus, I, I think was certainly political, right? But, uh, you know, but what do you think is the, the connection between, you know, Jesus and politics or Jesus and, you know, power? How do you think that, you know, Jesus would kind of invite us to, to think about how we participate in the world around us? That's a good question. I think it's um, those of us who are people of faith, uh, specifically followers of Jesus. Uh, if we're not wrestling with that, I think we're, we're kind of not wrestling with the right questions. I think we need to be asking those questions. And so it's funny, I was asked to speak on, uh, the Sunday after the insurrection to the Sunday school class that uh, this church is a bunch of uh, folks who are probably like in their seventies and eighties. <laughs> so, uh, but I knew like that most of the folks who were there would not agree with me um, on the, some of the, some of my 
worldview, but this obligation, I feel like we do as Christians to, to not always speak truth when people agree with you, but when it's hard sometimes. And so, um, so that day, I, you know, I talked a lot about um, what is, what is the kingdom of God and what's it mean to be part of the kingdom of God. And, um, and I think that if you're, if you are committed to the kingdom of God, which I believe is a different way of living and being, uh, one of the most obvious things is uh, that you follow the ways of Jesus. And, and there's no person, uh, president, uh, any leader that you should put your faith in and follow blindly. Uh, and I think that in some ways that's that's happened in our country is that uh, people have, have sort of put their faith aside at some level and or they've uh, uh, decided to follow you know, leaders who are uh, promoting insurrection and those types of things. And then to say, well, I'm doing this because I think this is what God wants. And I, and I think that really um, one of the things I know about Jesus is he stands on the side of the poor and the oppressed. And, and so we, um, the, the Jesus that we read about in the gospels, who uh, is constantly, you know, loving the least of these. In fact, you know, um, there's this uh, story in Matthew that says, you know, whatever you've done unto the least of these, you've done to me. Um, I think that's the Jesus that we should should try to follow, and uh, not some version of, of God that um, that mistreats others and that uh, that causes harm and destruction, uh, but really one that um, cares for the those who are hurting and broken. And so, um, so when it comes to politics and it comes to our country. Uh, I would ask the question, you know, what are those people in leadership doing to care for, for the, uh, those who are hurting and broken? And um, I think specifically in this time, there's been such uh, division racially. There's so much uh, need for racial justice and equity that uh, the followers of Jesus should not sit on the sidelines on this. Uh, we should be leaders. I think we should be the kind of people that engage uh, in developing a real awareness of, of issues of race and how our faith should engage that. I think we should um, we we should build relationships with people who are different than us. Unfortunately, too often in the church, um, their churches divide by race, and we should we should seek out people who look different than us and build solid, genuine relationships. And then I think. Finally, we should make commitments uh, with our life and, and our behaviors to act in ways that uh, overcome racial injustice in this world. So I think those are kind of ways that, uh, that I would do that. I would say that uh, as we transition leadership, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful that we um, can make uh, back in the forefront uh, the, these concerns of racial justice and that uh, I actually believe that uh, one of the things I've sort of been frustrated about is some of the, I, I do believe in unity and, and love and the healing power of love, but I do think there's a need for some accountability and confession uh, for people to admit the mistakes they've made and the allegiances they've made with folks who uh, support harm and hurtful behaviors. And I think once that confession occurs, I think there becomes a path pathway to, to healing but it does require making things right uh, to to um, right the wrongs of some of the, what we've seen over the last several years. Um, and so I'm, I'm hopeful, but uh, I know there's hard work to do. And um, I really believe that, that some of the, the new leaders have, uh, who are rising up in this uh, political world, they understand 
that the calling of Jesus is um, is about caring for the those without resources and uh, and those the least of these among us. Yeah, so I mean, like Brian, that's the uh, one I super appreciate that. But I think that's uh, you know, what does that look like for you all in your neighborhood in South Nashville? You know, and what you're doing in Harvest Hands. Like, how does that uh, how does that inform uh, the choices you make and the, the, the things you do, you know, day to day, like none of us are unfortunately, or fortunately, probably fortunately for me, uh, aren't in Congress running uh, this country. Uh, I don't think that that would ever be a good idea, but you know, what does that look like for just people living their everyday lives? Yeah, I think that it's a good question. We, um, you know, I live in a neighborhood where I'm probably a minority, uh, you know, as a white man and with a family here. Um, you know, fairly diverse. I think that you have to put yourself in places, whether it's at school, whatever. You, you need to be with people who, who look differently. And that may be challenging for some young folks who don't have a lot of control where they go to school or their church community. But I think finding places to bridge those gaps are important. Uh, you're not too young to find creative ways to develop relationships and and kind of begin to um, connect with those folks. And in, uh, in, in, instead of trying to spout out all the information, you know, uh, connect in a learning way to go to people and say, you know, tell me about your experience and begin to empathize and learn from folks um, in ways. For me specifically, um, you know, my role is as a director is I have opportunity to um, to set up programs and and an organization that um, that honors my specifically black and Latino brothers and sisters that are in my community. And so whenever I um, am going to hire someone or, or bring someone to work for us, I try to find someone from our community and give provide opportunities for folks to to work for our organization. Um, and so, so our our coffee shop is run by students who live primarily in the government housing, and they, um, you know, the, their neighborhood has really changed around them. Some people call it redeveloped, others folks who call it gentrified and and so we we kept this old church building and turned it into a coffee shop. But all the students who work there um, are from the community that uh, that really has changed. And so um, so there's kind of this opportunity for the folks who have moved into their neighborhood now buy coffee from them. And so they have jobs. It's kind of an interesting thing that that happened. Um, so, you know, creating opportunities uh, in, in our neighborhood is how we do that. I think being in real relationships. Um, with a humble attitude, I think really, um, you know, when uh, things happen that are uh, that need a, a voice, uh, you know, a lot of times my belief is that r- racial reconciliation and justice in this country, their white leadership and many times needs to step up. Uh, black folks understand the challenges uh, that they face because they've dealt with all their life. But I think now is a season for, for some of the the younger white folks to step up and say, Hey, we're, we're committed to, to doing our part to make this better. And so I think young folks really have an opportunity to speak out, uh, to be, um, to really be a light, to be folks who aren't afraid to, to challenge, um, misconceptions and, and even in your own family to say, Hey, look, you know, you, we, I've heard you say these things, but this is, let me share with you another perspective. And so, um, sometimes that's that's difficult uh, in your own family, but uh, I would I would say that 
that there's a way to do that in love, to speak the truth in love and, um, and share with people you care about or around you uh, another perspective. That only comes first by learning and listening to the other pers- perspective first. Yeah. So I mean, to tie that a little bit, you know, you, you used to have youth works groups come to Harvest Hands to help in the summer. Uh, some of your yeah. summer, summer camp, summer programming. We, uh, I mean, we work with, have worked with youth works for our middle school mission trips and, you know, having, having students come in on, on those kind of mission trips that we've, we've been a part of, you know, what, it, what would your hopes be uh, for students who came to work with you? What would you hope that, that they would have learned that week they got to spend with you? Yeah, you know, um, I, a lot of my own faith development came as a teenager. Uh, I wasn't raised in the church, but I, as a teenager, I got connected to the church and did some of these types of mission trips. And then I was a college student. I spent two summers working in, uh, in Philadelphia running summer camps for kids. You know? And um, I guess one of the things I would say is um, when you go to a, a place uh, that's that's not your home or a place that really is a different culture in many ways. Uh, you do your work before you go to learn about where you're going. And then when you're there, recognize, that, you know, you're just there for a week. And maybe the best thing you can do uh, when you're there is to listen and learn and not come in to, to be the person who uh, does something, you know, some amazing thing in a week. I mean, all of us know that uh, real relationships take time and so so what i found which this may be i don't know if i I think some of you understand this is that in many ways the trips that i took with when i I used to be a youth pastor and we took similar kinds of trips um what i found really was that those trips that we took were more about our own growth than the change that we would do in a week um if if i was honest you know um i used to laugh because um I worked at this, uh, this summer camp when I was in, in Philadelphia and, um, and there are these groups that would come in sometimes and they would do these plays and stuff. And at the end of every week, they would, you know, different groups would, you know, inevitably there's someone who's like, let's do a prayer. Every kid who wants to accept Jesus this week, raise your hand, you know? <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, I noticed that like three or four weeks in, like the same kid had accepted Jesus four times, you know? And I, and, you know, at the end of the summer, <laughs> A thousand kids that were saved, and we only had a hundred kids in the entire camp. And so, <laughs> so I, there's this sense of like um, that that if you go and partner with people, go and and work alongside and listen and learn from them, and 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 be um, be students and be people who are humble, and um, and just uh, build relationships, you know, and, um, and yeah, work hard, you know. Yeah. So, so to tie to that, we'll kind of end here. Uh, you know, churches and people who like follow Jesus have made some incredible impact in the world and, and made uh, left marks that have left uh, their communities better and, and transformed the world for justice and for for peace and love. And yet, you know, there are a lot of times that, that churches can also get it wrong. And so, uh, you know, mm-hmm. Brian, for you, what are some? What are one or two ways that things you wish churches would would learn or, or do better maybe is the right way of asking it uh as it relates to you know how we how we do missions how we love our neighbors yeah man this is a real good question i'll probably get a list of 30 things but 
I'm, uh, I'm full of good questions, Brian. That's that's what I'm that's what I'm looking <laughs> for is a question asking. Yeah. I don't answer questions. I just ask them. Yeah, you know, um, I really believe that one of the things that churches struggle with is when it comes to mission is the idea uh, that they invest too much in the short game and not enough in the long game. Hmm. And, and so, because I believe that, you know, long, that real change and transformational change um, is a long uh, obedience in the same direction. And so to quote uh, Eugene Peterson. So I, I think that, I think the churches will happen, you know, devastating will happen and, you know, a tornado hit or something will happen and, and they'll put all the resources there. And, um, and then the next thing will happen and they'll do something and, you know, in the flood and all those things are needed. And I, but I would call that more like triage or charity. And I think that if a, if a church is going to really make an impact, they, I think they need to figure out partnerships of people on the ground who are doing the real kind of transformational work. And, and this is where I think we've, we've had some partnerships with churches that, have been, you know, 13 years plus where they invest resources and, and continue to give and, and really go deep. Uh, and then, uh, and then it's about the potential to make long-term change. I think if churches are always hopping around, what ultimately it makes people feel good, like, Oh, I was able to help, but, but mission should never be about us. It should always be about how do we best serve those that we're in partnership with? And so there's a transformation, not only on the way that we give, but our, our mind shift in the way that we care for others. Um, I think that's one way. Um, I think the other one is, um, you know, probably figure out how, if you are going to uh, spend resources to go and do work in other places, ask yourself, how do you spend that same kind of resource locally to get engaged, you know, eight miles down the road. And, and sometimes I would struggle with this with some of my friends who would take trips to, to Mexico and other places and spend, you know, 10, $15,000 from the church to go there. And then, you know, they wouldn't come eight miles down the road to our neighborhood where half the community spoke Spanish and, uh, and, and not to judge them, but I just thought, man, if they could figure out like, I've got students who are part of our ministry who can't go to college because they can't get funding because they're undocumented. And if they would just shift those resources to this kid, this kid could go to college, you know? And so, so there's just the smart use of resources locally to impact your own neighborhood that has a greater potential for a long-term change. Uh, so a lot of it's about our, our investment of our time and resources and developing real lasting relationships um, where you are changed as well. And that, that doesn't happen in, in kind of what my friend uh, would call hit and run ministry. It happens in long-term um, humble committed relationships uh, in ministry that, uh, that takes, um, takes time. So that's probably my, what I would say. Brian, we'll leave, we'll leave here because uh, at the end of every show, we, we offer our guests the chance to offer it's kind of one final piece of advice or wisdom to all of our listeners. So there's no question here. This is the blankest slate you'll get all day to offer a final word. 
Well, man, oh, that's a good, uh, hard question. Um, yeah. Um, well, my hero is a guy named John Perkins, who, um, who started the Christian Community Development Association, which is ccda.org, which a lot of our work is uh, based on his, his kind of leadership and his work. He's a, about a nine-year-old black man from uh, Mississippi. And uh, John Perkins used to say, um, and this, you know, could be a he or she, but this is his quote. He said, uh, he who has the greatest truth must also have the greatest proof. And the greatest proof is love. Mm. And I, and I really believe that if, uh, if you, if you have a conviction uh, of faith and it isn't backed up by love, then you're, truth is pretty dead and so um so I would, I would encourage folks to ask yourself um how great is your truth and maybe the answer to that is is shown in the way that you show love to the world brown i don't we don't rank our our final advices but that's a pretty good word man i appreciate you and uh let's do it again sometime soon yeah peace brother all right i'll see you Every Monday, we're going to have a challenge for the week, something to help you live this thing we call following Jesus out. And this week, we're going to keep it simple. We said on Monday, you should just spend some time this week listening to one speech of, uh, of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s. Take some time and just listen. Sit on your bed, sit on the couch, go for a walk and just let it play through your headphones. Or maybe even better, read his letter from a Birmingham jail. And just hear all that he has to say. Don't just look for a quote or a meme, but listen to all of it. It's challenging. Let it soak into us and and challenge us to be better. Now, for a few quick announcements. uh, First of all, again, just congratulations on raising more than $10,500 for Wells in Mozambique. That's incredible. Communities, lives are going to be changed because of access to clean water. It means so many things when you check out the ripple effects. It also means that I am going to shave my beard. We are in the semifinals of voting for what's going to happen to my face. So check out our Instagram stories and you can vote on and what my face is going to look like for a couple of days. And again, we just want to highlight, you know, high schoolers, if you want to join us on Sunday nights at 630 for something we call the table, it's a place to connect, to share our stories and connect with uh, our stories to God's story. We'd love to have you hop on a Zoom with us. Middle schoolers, we still have core groups meeting at four, four to five. We're playing kind of big, stupid games on the front end and, and getting into core groups. We'd love to have you, whether you're in sixth grade or about to graduate from high school. And that's it for this episode of Skip This News. We'll see you next Monday. And just like your parents, we hope you have a great day at school today. And remember, don't forget to turn in your homework.